0: Alright, are you guys ready for the Word of God? Alright, well you guys welcome, give a warm welcome to Steve Freeman, our friend from Avon. Bless you brother, we love you, love you dearly.
1: He Gosh, hey all, you're probably wondering why am I here? I'm actually going to the Farmer's Pike after this, eh? (laughs) Um, I'm subbing in for a friend of mine, for a band, and so, oh, I don't know, it was probably three or four weeks ago, I got a call from this band leader and said, would you consider playing, we're playing out of Newcastle, something called the Farmer's Pike, and in some gazebo, whatever, you guys probably know all about it, I don't. And I thought, gosh, I'm going to be in Newcastle. So I called Tom up and said, hey, man, (laughs) Um, if you want. I mean, downbeat isn't until 1 o'clock. I can swing by. And I was going to swing by and just visit. And he kind of said, hey, we'll see if we can get you to come in and speak. So amen. So to me, it's like the perfect day, like preach in the morning and play bass in the afternoon. (laughs) Preacher by day, bass player by night. (laughs) So it's it's so good to be with you guys. Well, we're gonna jump into a few things here. Let's see, good, you've got a clock, that's awesome. So I, I know you're used to uh, about, what, two hours of teaching. <laughs> <laughs> what did they say? They said the attention span is about 20 minutes and of that 20 minutes, you retain about three minutes. Have you, have you heard that? <laughs> And I'm probably a little even less than that because um, of my, uh, well, I I don't know if you guys, are you, are you familiar with ADD and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah you know it, so, yeah. So I, I often wonder, you know, Jesus told stories, he told parables, and uh, there's something powerful in that because it, it kind of, it connects us on, on all levels. I mean, the imagery and the, the storytelling and all and the... Uh, and so in some ways I think he was going after even the add folks of that day and the signs and wonders you know all that kind of stuff happening all the time it just for us it, we're like whoa, wow look at that whoa it's just fun stuff okay um, give you a little bit of update um, maybe I should anyway for those of you that that know me I uh, or don't know me I came out of the marketplace in 1998 and stepped into ministry thinking it was going to be music ministry, but God had some other plans for me apparently because I ended up hanging out with a bunch of ministers. And I know you guys are thinking, what were you thinking? Who would want to hang out with a bunch of ministers, right? Uh, before I knew it, I was connected with uh, pastoral groups around the region, which is how I met Eric and Tom. And uh, and I found myself kind of, I don't know what was going on other than uh, the Lord was just drawing me into kind of the the bigger expression of the body of Christ, maybe more regionally. Although I was a part of my local church, actually I planted that church, helped plant it in 1990, I think. And so we we have successfully, I'm telling you, under my leadership, we have successfully grown the church from 400 to 120. (laughs) That tells you what kind of leader is standing before you today, so... (laughs) Yeah, I seriously, I've I've learned not to count uh, nickels and noses. You know, you uh, uh, God's economy. Did I say nickels and noses? Yeah, the economy of the kingdom is uh, is far beyond what we maybe necessarily see sitting before us. You know, so you guys, you may look at yourselves and go, "We're we're kind of small," but really, the influence that you carry the kingdom is you're 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 huge. In the eyes of God, you know, really, and the impact that we have, the opportunities that we have to, to bump up against people throughout the week, you know, uh, you know, this, we do not forsake the gathering, this is really, really cool, but I tell you what, where the community is, is really outside of here, you know, it's the opportunities we have just to touch people and, and, and to, to impart the things that, you know, God may prompt our hearts to say and conversations and all that. They may very well lead people into their repentance, uh, into their salvation. Because what it it I You know, I always used to think, I think I grew up in the idea that, that uh, you know, you guilt them and shame them into their salvation, when in reality it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. And so I can't help but look at kindness and realize that's directly connected to my ability to be able to love. So who'd have thought that just loving people for who they are would actually lead them to their repentance and into their salvation. I mean, man, what a joy that is. So, you know, above all, I think what God has at uh, least in my heart over the last several years, he's just trying he's trying to make me a lover. Just to love. Just to love. You know, we do a house church, our, our church, we had a campaign recently and we were going to go, okay, let's do Let's do house churches or home groups. Do you guys have home groups? Do you do anything like that? Okay. All right. Advertisement. Home group starts up next, this week. If you're not connected with one, let me tell you, get connected because it, it'll pull you into the community to where you have people that really care for you and watch after you and check up on. It's just, it's the coolest thing. So we had, I think we had five uh, home groups that were going to start last fall, and so I had gotten invited, my wife and I, Karma, by the way, we're about to celebrate 29 years. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Not with each other, but I mean collectively, we've been (laughs) married that long. No, no, it's been, (laughs) you aren't gonna put this out online anywhere. No, I know you are, because I listened to Michelle last week, so. Uh. Anyway, um, where was I? Where was I going? There was that ADD thing, that thing, back. okay, home groups. And, um, and so my wife and I got an invitation from a, a couple that I had mentored for a long time. They had been meeting at a, uh, at a bar, just getting, it was their kind of date night out. Every Wednesday night, they would go to this, this place called the Doghouse Bar and Grill. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> and so they invited us to come one night and we came and it's the usual bunch there because they have an open stage night. It's an acoustic stage night. And and so you get the regular musicians that come in every week to perform. And so there was already a bit of a community there. And so they introduced us to their bar family and, uh, of course, to Dee, the bartender. And and uh, then we went back and played pool. And while we were sitting there and, or playing, I, I got this crazy idea. What would it be like... If we just did our home group at the bar, so it's a little kind of a little radical, right? So, I, I talked to Gary and Abby and just said, "What do you guys think?" I said, "I don't want to like, in, you know, barge in on your date night, but what do you think if we were to just do a home group here?" And they said, "We think it'd be a great idea." So we went up to uh, D, the bartender. Have I told you guys this story? If I have. Okay, so I went up to D, the bartender, and we were just talking to her and we were saying, "Hey, Dee, you know, we're from a church and." we're thinking, like, we might want to just have a, do a, a home group, like a, maybe a Bible study or something here. And she, she literally, this is what she did. She stepped about two steps back and went, well, what kind of church are you? <laughs> <laughs> Dee was a little rough and gruff, you know. And, uh, and then she stopped in the middle of her thought and said, huh. She said, you know, she said, you guys might actually save the bar. Now, what she was say- saying was that they'd been financially hurt, and, uh, and, uh, but I could see there was something much deeper than that that was going on. And uh, so when it came time Sunday morning, you know, we made our decision. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start a home group. It's going to be on Wednesday nights, and we'll be a part of the home group. Uh, I don't know if you guys do that. Like, you highlight your home groups and kind of the focuses of what they're going to be and all that. And so Sunday morning, all my home group, People that we we're going to do this bar thing. None of them were there that Sunday morning. It was up to me to actually get up there and tell everybody, hey, church, tell my church we're going to be meeting in a bar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like, what? And I get up and I said, you know, I, I said, our, our only vision and goal for our home group is that we want to get in and we want to love people unconditionally and we want to make Wednesday night at the Doghouse Bar and Grill the most successful night they have. Right? Okay. Now we're a year into this and a salvation or two. Uh, what happened was when we got in and we did our little pool thing and then we'd migrate up to the front of the bar where all the music was going and and we found ourselves starting to get in conversations with people and we started getting to know them. They started to get to know us. And they kinda knew we were kind of this crazy church group. But we were the ones that were like when people were singing we were like you know, it was like pull out the lighters and you know, sloshing <laughs> the beer around, you know, and all that. No, but, but we were just as fun and crazy as the rest of them. And, and they were like kind of going, huh, what are these guys? They kind of held us a little at a distance. But I think when they realized that we were there for the long haul and our desire was not to beat them into salvation, we just wanted to be there and just be friends. And what happened was we thought we were going to adopt them but what happened was they adopted us. You know, by, I think it was uh, after the first of the year, I think they realized that we weren't going away. And, you know, it's like your crazy Uncle Larry. What are you going to do? He's, he's a part of the family. I guess we're going to just have to embrace him. And I uh, <laughs> hope, hope there's not anybody named Larry here today. Uh, <laughs> but what happened was they, my gosh, did they, They just brought us right into the core of their community. And you know what happens when there's a level of trust that's there and they know you're there without an agenda? Guess what? They share their lives. We really got to know each other. And it wasn't that we were coming in like we were the experts, but as they were sharing with us, it also reminded us of things that we've struggled with and things that we're currently struggling with. And guess what? We started carrying one another's burdens. So we fondly call it the, you know, the the Dog House Church Bar and Grill. We've changed the name, although we haven't changed the logo out front. But to present that before my body, they were all like going, what? What are you going to do? So guess what happens? Anytime there's a crisis amongst the family, guess who they come to? (laughs) Uh, We're in a crisis right now with one of the ladies. uh, Her her mom is, uh, you know, terminally ill. And, uh, and she just came to us and said, I know you guys are praying. People, would you pray? Awesome. You see how that works? Yeah. And we're believing that God's going to do a, a miracle there. Now, let me tell you what else has happened, too. We do, uh, we do uh, once a month, we go to a, a, an assisted living community, and we do a church service on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings. Guess what? We've actually had three of the musicians now from the bar that have come and helped us with worship on Saturday mornings at the Assisted Living. We let them get up and sing their songs. I, I, you see, there's something about it. you get in and you just love unconditionally. Just love. Just, it's the craziest thing. And so, you know, this whole journey we're on is a journey of learning and embracing love. Not only the love from the Father as he really sees and loves us, but our ability to love ourselves and love one another. I always say that, you know, you, first off, we got to realize that God loves us, period. There's no conditions that's on God's love. It just isn't. So when you settle that in your heart, you can actually begin to start loving yourself. But until you settle that, you can't love yourself because you, you look at yourself as a creation of God that's flawed, and you're not seeing yourself as God really sees you. And, sen- and then it makes it even more difficult to love one another. You know, it's one thing to try to love myself or to try to embrace the fact that God loves me, but then to love one another. Because you, you know, we, I mean, Man, we've got discernment. We can tell. I can tell you what's wrong with you. Come on, come on. Let's get real. If I had hair to pull to put down, I would right now. Come on. Have you ever judged anybody? Anybody in this room? Have you ever? That's what I like. Own, own it with joy. You know. <laughs> See, our tendency is when we when we really. We have a tendency to look at one another based on our circumstances and situations and, you know, just life stuff and quirks and addictions and all that stuff. Uh, The truth of the matter is if that's how we relate to one another, we're far below how God is already relating to us in his unconditional love. Make sense? I know, I know. I, if I was, uh, what is it, every now and then you go, ha, <laughs> that means you're preaching. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so, um, where was I? I was. Yeah, this is all intro right now, isn't it? Um. <laughs> so, we started a, a home group at meets at the Bar and Grill, if you guys are ever on the west side in Brownsburg. Uh, let me know. You're welcome to come. We'll introduce you to our family. They're a little rough around the edges. Uh, They might be a little coarse in their language, but I tell you what, we love them, and they love us, you know, you know. We were one of the gals that was at the bar. She had been, uh, Abigail, one of our our home group leaders, she just really kind of cozied up to her, you know, and Um, just began to share some of the things of her life and some of the struggles she had. Her husband had an affair five or six years ago, and it was one of those quick things, and it ended. um, But she's never really been able to forgive him. And so she was uh, sharing with Abby, and she said, I just can't forgive him. And Abby just so gently just said, you know, you are so loved. And we know her husband, and we know he just loves her. He regrets, oh, my gosh, what he did but it doesn't change the fact that he loves her. He really loves her, and she knows that. But it was such a great segue for for Abby to say, and let me tell you how God loves you. Because, you know, you get that straightened out in your life, you're going to be able to love your husband no matter what. And, you know, it was about three weeks later, she comes in the bar, and she was walking above the floor. I mean, she was just glowing. She says, you won't believe what happened this weekend. She said, a friend of mine's been asking me to go to her church for, uh, uh, for a year. And she said, I finally said yes. And I went Sunday morning. And she said, I was sitting there listening to the sermon. She says, I felt like, you know, you've all been there. I felt like I was the only one in the room. And he was talking directly to me. And when he gave the invitation, she said, I came down. I gave my life to Christ. I got baptized, she says. And guess what? In an instant, God restored my love for my husband. No offense. Man, you cannot underestimate the power of unconditional love. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right, now we'll get into the teaching. How about that introduction? Oh, I was trying to tell you about myself. Oh, uh, yeah, wife and I, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, two kids, blah, blah, blah. Um, Actually, both my kids are very artistic, very talented, um, and uh, and some of you have actually you've met my family. My son's actually played here before. By the way, you're drummer. Where'd you get that guy? Is there a way we can uh, like carbon copy him? Is he in here or is he out? Yeah, good job, man. Yeah, my son's a drummer, so and and I'm a bass player, so I I have an ear for for drums. So anyway. Uh, so, family's great. We're in the process of moving. How many of you guys have moved before? Oh my gosh. We're, we're, a, we're showing our home, right? You know, you, you work and work and work and work and work and work, and you get this house all set to where it looks perfect, where someone will come in and go, Wow, I want to buy this. And you're walking through it going, This is the house I've always wanted. <laughs> why, why are we selling it? This makes no sense. But it's too late. We're already committed. It's on the market, actually. We got an offer a couple of weeks ago, and we've kind of landed. It's you know we've said yes, they've said yes. We did this awkward I call it the counter dance. It's like, all right, change the toilet, um, you know, take fifteen thousand dollars off the house. You know how, that kind of stuff. Okay, we'll change the toilet, but we'll only take a thousand off the house. But uh, but there's a contingency, so we're kind of waiting on their house to sell in order for them to buy our house and. Oh my gosh, we wanted to move closer into town. You know, my idea was I want to get downtown Indianapolis Central, just logistically perfect for me. My wife works downtown, perfect. So we found a house. It's the perfect house, but it's only seven miles from our house. (laughs) And we live somewhere between Speedway and Illinois, if that gives you any idea. And so now, hey, we've we've made it to Pittsburgh. Wow. So I'm hoping it's a step towards downtown. My, my wife grew up on a farm. And so she likes the wide open spaces. So, and we've lived out in the middle of nowhere for 28 years. And now we're actually moving into a subdivision. I feel like, OK, this is a good baby step towards like a condominium flat downtown. No yard, drive under, garage, elevator, up to your door, you're home. That's my, that's OK. <coughs> So that's my life right now. Um, So, amen. Okay, I want to start with this scripture, and I'm actually going to bounce around. So, uh, um, I may, uh, I'll I'll try to give you a direction. I know I have this little gizmo right here, but I, oh, look at that. Dude, come on. This is always like if you're listening just to the audio, it's like, what is he doing right now? You know, it's like, hey, hey, cool. And see, I don't, I don't use this kind of stuff. This is, oh, let's go back here. Yeah, it's exactly. Okay, right there, we'll leave it at there. All right, I want to start with. Uh, now that I got that up there, I want to start with Ephesians because this is this is actually Hebrews. So. Um, one of the things I always, I, I always share, it's kind of like a, you, you got, you've gotten this every time I've been here, and that is that Paul says in Ephesians 1.3 that you have already received or been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen. Okay, What Paul's trying to drive home here is this is your reality. You've already received it all. God has not held anything back from you. So sometimes it feels like you're lacking. But the lacking is because of a perception issue. It's why Paul says it's important that we renew our minds. Because our minds, actually, the whole intent is in the renewing of our minds. It lines up with the reality of the completed works of of the cross and everything that Jesus has already accomplished right here. And we'll get a little bit more into this. So as you sit... Right now, before me, you have already received every spiritual blessing. There is no more to get. Now, if you guys, I, I grew up in this idea that, okay, God reluctantly accepted me in the kingdom because I, I signed the contract. It's like the counter thing that I'm working with right now. And I don't really want to take that back tree down, but, okay, I will if that's going to seal the deal. That's not how God... Has operated here he does not hold anything back so now wouldn't it be a cruel God if he actually signed us up for something that we would now have to work for the rest of our life makes no sense absolutely no sense why would he say okay I want you to come into the kingdom but just a little bit of it you stay out on the outskirts and as you're working on your life I'll bring in a little closer, a little closer. It doesn't work that way. Man, when you sealed the deal, you got everything. If you go to Dairy Queen, you ask for the Happy Meal. Do they have Happy Meals at Dairy Queen? Okay, maybe that's McDonald's. You get the toy. The toy's already in there. You don't have to, you know, you have to work to try to get the toy. You already get it. So, okay, every spiritual blessing. Now, let me tell you in story form. What that means to me. Years ago, years and years ago, um, I had a 57 Willys Jeep CJ5. So it was a bigger one. It was uh, this four-cylinder. I tell you, the thing was just—you could actually crawl in it. You know, back in the day when you could stand right next to the engine in the engine compartment, you didn't have all that stuff. I know some of you are going, "Huh? What? <laughs> Foreign concept?" <laughs> Well, I had that thing and I, uh, man, I, I just enjoyed you know, mudding, if that makes any sense at all. So you just get it out, climb up and down and the hollers through the creeks and all that kind of stuff. Actually, I was a dating a girl at the time and I would purposely go out Saturday night and I would get the Jeep as muddy as possible and then I'd go and pick her up for church Sunday morning. <laughs> we had a love-hate relationship. But one day the, the jeep started making noises and then it just started clattering and it was something that was happening inside the engine so it was beyond just a muffler or something like that and uh, pretty quickly we realized that the engine was shot and it needed to be rebuilt or replaced. And so I was talking to a good friend of mine, and he says, hey, he says, my, he says, my dad, he's got a, he works for Allison's, and he's going to uh, South America to start a plant down there. He's going to be gone six weeks. He said, how about we rebuild that Jeep? We can do it in my garage. <laughs> I said, sure. So my mom and dad would never approve of me tearing a Jeep down in their garage, plus they had a single-car garage where his, his mom and dad had a bigger garage. And so we tore that Jeep down. We had our children children's book which was at that time it was kind of like the the holy grail it was the bible of mechanics you know so you had the children cj 557 and it had all of the breakdown on all the parts in the engine and all that and so we broke this engine right down to its last bolt we did everything from sending off to have the heads ground and and i don't know honed and all all kinds of terms that i don't even i didn't even know what was going on But for, fortunately my buddy was a mechanic and, uh, and we built it back up again. Actually, it was great that because uh, it was the whole six weeks before we finally got it done. And his dad was coming home the next day, and we just pulled it out of the garage. And, uh, and we started it up for the first time, and it did not sound good at all. It was like, okay, something's not right here. We thought, well, maybe if we take it for a drive, maybe that'll help. So we drove it around the block, and we came out in front of my house because we were just a few houses down, or whatever. And we're sitting there, or we're standing there out in the street with the hood open, and we're just looking at it. We cannot figure out what is going on. It's, it obviously sounded like it wasn't running on all cylinders, and it was just vibrating. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, all the work we've put into this thing, and it's not going to work. And um, my na- I had an older neighbor, nosy neighbor. You guys probably have those, or you are one of those. Yeah. He comes walking over, kind of saunters over. Like, what's going on? Well, we just rebuilt this engine. Man, I don't know what the deal is with this thing. It just doesn't. I, we can't figure out what's going on. He didn't say a word. He just looks in there. He goes in and he pulls from the distributor cap. He pulls one plug out, pulls another plug out, switches them around, and as soon as he switched them around, that thing purred like a puppy. <laughs> purred like a puppy. I mean, and it's like going, oh my gosh moral of the story moral of the story we thought we had messed it up when in reality it was fine all the time it just needed an adjustment what is sanctification i mean i uh, my i had this kind of jaded view of sanctification was it was me trying to work work up to to where i could eventually you know, become more Christ-like or something like that. But from where I'm at now, I'm realizing sanctification it's a, it's a done deal, but what it is, is every day it's stepping into a greater reality of what Christ has already accomplished, stepping into a greater reality of who I really am in Christ, stepping into a greater understanding and revelation of how much God loves me, a greater understanding of how much the Holy Spirit is fully residing in me, that I can actually sense and feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and I can speak with authority the kingdom of God to people around me. I can I can love unconditionally because I don't look at anybody other than who I know them to be in Christ huh it doesn't change the fact that the engine was alright we just we had a couple wires that needed to be changed see God does not create junk that's a good story isn't it that'll preach yeah come on (laughs) All right, now to the text. So you look at, uh, this is Hebrews 10. um, And by the way, Hebrews chapter 10, oh my gosh, that is one of the most amazing chapters. I mean, I don't know who wrote it. There's all kinds of debate. But um, I tell you what, it sure seems like it's coming from the very pen of God. (laughs) Because it really goes into the reality of the old sacrifice and everything, which, by the way, you realize is done, right? It's over. It's over. That's done. Because there's one sacrifice that has dealt with all the sacrifices. So you are not in a position to where you have to constantly come back and sacrifice something in order to, to keep in good standing with God. You don't. It's already finished. And Hebrews 10 just really gets into that. So if we're looking at, Let's start with let's make sure I've got the right one up here. Oh, this is so good. Um, I'm gonna go back one. So it says, by E this. What's the E mean? Is that Greek? No, just kidding. <laughs> by this we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Isn't that amazing? I want to go back one more then. Behold, I have come. T- to do, and he takes away first in order to establish the second, which is talking about, you know, the the original uh, sacrifice and everything that had to be done, has been taken away, and Jesus has established um, the second. Let's see, yeah, every priest stands daily, ministering, offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, right? That was the old the old covenant there, but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Who's he? That's right. Uh, Waiting from that time on until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. And this is the kicker right here. For by one offering, he has perfected. What's the tense there? He will? Huh? Come on. He has. That's the reality. For all time, those who are sanctified. Now, we'll go on here in a minute, but I just want to camp out there for just a second. Let that reality, this is so cool, let that reality sink in. I mean, seriously, if Jesus accomplished what we know he accomplished, then we have to reconcile in our minds that we have already been made perfect. Okay? Let me tell you why that's so important you're going to have things you're going to struggle with within life. But if you try to tackle those from a place of lack or from a place that's outside of what Christ has already accomplished, it's really tough. Why don't we start from the place of victory? Even in our struggles. See, don't look at that as if, oh, my gosh, God is so upset with me and hates me and blah, blah, blah. See, that's not the place to start because what that does is it invokes the law that makes you want to continue to do stuff to try to please God when God the whole time saying, you cannot do any more because it's already been done. So why not make that the starting place? If I've got an issue in my life, why don't I start from that place of victory? Hold on a minute. I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this issue, which, by the way, I do have things I struggle with. But the way I approach it now is I go, but this is not who I am. It's not. See, now you're in a position now to actually be able to see yourself for who you really are. Why the word is so important, you don't stand in front of the mirror and go, man, I'm such a, such a buffoon, uh, an idiot, uh, you know, all these curses just because you had an argument with your wife or you kicked your cat it's probably not a bad thing <laughs> 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 these are the kind of things these are the kind of things that can split a church you know dog lover cat lover you know that's <laughs> why visitors can come in and talk about pets but <laughs> but what i'm getting at is I can actually look at myself and make declarations of who I already am. You see, that's where the enemy has no jurisdiction. The only time he can trespass is when you believe in uh, something about yourself that's not true to this statement right here, that you're already perfected. Because that's when he can step in and start bringing accusations. Yeah, you're right, you're not that good. Yeah God he's probably shaking his head at you right now. But in that moment, once again the renewing of the mind, you can go to a place and go whoa 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 hold on a minute. Amen. Christ has come. He's died. He's risen. He shed his blood. He's sitting at the right hand of God. In the mystery, he's at the right hand of the God of God, but he's also right here which puts me at the right hand of God. See, see what I'm talking? This is it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Because it will radically change the way you deal with anything because now you're looking at it from God's perspective. You think God sees you as a sinner? He doesn't. Now, is he going to go after stuff that gets in the way of you seeing yourself or who you really are? (laughs) Absolutely. He does not want to allow the enemy to get a wedge in there that can bring an accusation against your character that isn't truly who you are. So that's why I'm saying, you know, grace is awesome, but it's not like, okay, sit back and just do anything I want because God's just going to, no, no, no. God's going to love you no matter what. But God always has your best interest in mind. And so if there's anything standing in the way of that, he's going to go after it with a, oh, my gosh, he's relentless. He never brings guilt and shame. He may bring conviction. Totally different thing because conviction is not void of love. Guilt and shame is. That, I got to write that down. That was good. Okay, okay, I'm going to move on, because this stuff just is just awesome. But when you get a chance, because I am coming down to my time, um, let's go up to, move up to 19 here. Uh, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, I wonder what, what version is this anyway? Um, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I'm telling you, um, this gets down to the really what I, I believe is the core of what God is after here. Once we get to a place where we can actually stand in front of the mirror and see ourselves for who we really are, then we're incur- we are so equipped to be able to stimulate one another in love and good deeds. You know? You know, when Michelle shared last week, she was talking about that situation with her mom and dad. She overheard the argument, you know, outside the window. And it it put something in her that was a lie. It wasn't actually who she was. But it gave room for the enemy to actually just get in there and start to expand that thing to where she started believing things that weren't true about herself or about her parents. Now, you know, down the road, what she shared, which was powerful, was she came to a point where she went back to her mom and dad and just said, I'm so sorry. But the beautiful thing about repentance is how quickly God gets in and restores a relationship. He just does. So, my assignment to you, and it was probably my assignment the last time I was here, was get in front of the mirror and start declaring who you really are. There's no separation between you and Christ. So all of his characteristics, the nature, everything that he, he carried when he was here on the earth is you in a very unique way. I'm not saying you, you, know, you become a robot or something like that. No, actually you find yourself. And it's in the reality of the fullness of Christ in us that actually releases us into the fullness of who we are. It just is. It's how he how operates. So any, any aspect of Jesus that comes to mind, why don't you just tell that to yourself? There is something about the word. When it hits the airwaves, it changes it all. And you can stand right before. I, I, I do this every morning. You know, sometimes... Life has a tendency to fog up the the mirror. And sometimes you just got to take a, you know, so you can actually see yourself. Your reflection doesn't change. It's just gotten cloudy. The reality of it's still there. So you can stand before the mirror and go, hey, who is the fairest of them all? I am. (laughs) See, the mirror doesn't hold the essence. It's not like we're looking at, oh, there's Jesus, and he has the essence, and I want that. What the mirror does is it reflects the essence. So you're standing before the mirror. You are actually looking into the eyes and the heart of Jesus. It's who you are. So you have, my assignment would be, when you get up in the morning or later today or you get around a mirror any time, like I'm not kind of, anymore, I go by a mirror and go, you're all that and a cup of tea, too, and it's sweet tea. <laughs> now, let me tell you how that's changed the way people relate to me. People have a tendency, man, if you're insecure, and sometimes they just go after that. But when you get settled in your heart who you really are, it actually begins to bring the best out of the people that are around you. Whoa, hold on a minute. So you're telling me I could be a better parent if I just settle this issue who I really am in Christ? Absolutely. Because, come on, the one thing I learned about parenting is, you know, my parenting upbringing was, Steve, you're horrible. You're a bad son. I can't believe you just did that. You just spilt your milk. Oh, you wet your bed again. I did a lot of that. Oh Gosh, did I just say that on tape? <laughs> But what I learned as a parent was, even when my kids would do something wrong, I would never attack their character because I always knew who they really are and who they really were. So it allowed me to go, you know what, what you just did right there, there's consequences to that. Yes, you're gonna be grounded. You should not have tried to burn the house down. It just, there are consequences. But I always say in that, but that's not who you really are. This is who you really are. So even that in my communication to my kids is really they are getting because now I am becoming a mirror to them that mirrors back who they really are in the fullness of Christ. It's pretty simple, really. You guys, fun stuff, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Anyway, uh, I would encourage you—you know—another assignment: just read through, uh, just this chapter, especially down through uh, verse 25. It's just so encouraging. The idea of encouraging one another—you know—the uh, the truth is, everybody I run to, run into. Now I realize, is could very well be an encounter with Jesus. You know, where <laughs> we get so hung up on the you know, the gifted and the talented and all that, when in reality, your next encounter with the Lord could be the person sitting right next to you. You know, when you you begin to see outside of kind of our limitations, you realize that everywhere you are, you bump into the, the presence of Jesus. And even if people don't see it in them, God will give you the ability to be able to see it in them. You want to speak prophetically? Love people unconditionally and tell them who they really are in Christ. It's that simple. Yeah. You can take something that like just drives you absolutely nuts about a person and say, God, give me, some, give me a silver lining in this, and he will. And you can, actually, you can actually respond to it and say, you know, what's behind that is the fact that you're so passionate. I really appreciate that. I appreciate how God's designed you that way. In your mind, you're thinking, I hate the way it manifests, but I... I." You see how that works, you know, okay? Well, that's that's the gist of my message. So I just want to encourage you, if I can summarize this, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have the ability to be able to see yourself in the fullness of who you are in Christ. God has not withheld anything from you, and guess what? You have the ability to be able to call that out in everybody that you come in contact with. So let love rule. Amen. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. So, what's your homework this week, guys? Look in the mirror. In the mirror. I would love to be in your bathrooms in the morning and today. Just take a look at yourself and remind yourself who you are in Christ. I was talking to somebody yesterday about that, and I said we have to change our confession and what we believe and declare what God says rather than what the world says and what your flesh says. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me, if you will. God is good. Amen. Well, it's always nice to have a guest speaker because we get out of here on time. (laughs) There is no time, right? Hey, just as a reminder before we close today, uh, Connect Groups do start this week. They're on Tuesday and Thursday nights. That's the only two nights, but there is still a sign-up on the Welcome Center. So before you leave today, if you want to get plugged in to Connect Group, um, it'll help you change the confessions of your mouth. It'll help you draw closer to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you, God, for Steve and the word that he brought. And Father, I I just do. We we, want to confess, God, that we have not seen people or each other or ourselves the way you want us to see us. And so, Lord, I thank you for that word. Lord, we're going to work not on working but on surrendering to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you that the work is completed that you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ, that you have sanctified us, and that you have made us holy. You have made us children. You have made us sons and daughters. And the completed work is there. And so, Lord, help us this week to pull, to draw from that which you've made us. And, Lord, help us to draw from that and to begin to put the enemy at flight as we declare who we really are in you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And I just pray your blessing upon your people today. May they have a blessed day as they make contact with other people to give unconditional love in your presence away. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. Love you. Have a great week.